Welcome to the He Shoots, He Draws podcast, the show about photography and design, with your hosts, Glyn Dewis and Dave Clayton. Hello and welcome to He Shoots, He Draws. Now, this week you got me on my own again. Uh, Glyn's actually doing, um, I, th- I believe it's 30 camera club webinars in five weeks, which works out about six a week. So at the moment, it's going to be tied up. So I'm going to be doing a few interviews myself with some both designers and photographers. Um, I've actually pulled in a substitute. So the He Shoots part of the podcast will be covered by our good friend Alan Hess uh, for a couple of weeks. The days that Glyn will be available, we have got a couple of interviews lined up, so he's going to drop in. But for now, I just wanted to interview some people we've had lined up for a little while now. Uh, one of them being a couple that I met through Creative South, who's a designer whose work I really admire. Uh, and that's Doc and Julie Reed. Um, I met them at Creative South. Doc is just a wonderful guy, great designer. Julie's wife uh, is also a very talented photographer. And together they work at home. Uh, Doc has, has actually got a full-time job like me, but they have a home studio as well. So they have their own business. They've got four children like me. So I wanted to have a chat with them about how they work around life with family, day job, hobbies, and all the things that go with that. So um I hope you enjoy it. I've tried to edit the audio quite well. Um, unfortunately, when you're trying to interview people, we all haven't got the best audio recording equipment. Um, Doc and Julie, we actually recorded this the first time and unfortunately um, the audio didn't come out. So we re-recorded it. So I do reference that in the episode. But they're a great couple and they're really patient and did the interview again. Uh, they were both sat in front of a microphone together. So sometimes the audio may go a little bit higher when one was closer than the other. But um, I've tried to edit as best as possible. So apologies if there are a few peaks there of uh, laughter that go right through the roof and, and blow your ears. I've tried to bring the volume down where possible. But uh, without further ado, we'll go into the interview. I hope you enjoy it. We'll be back next week and the coming weeks with some more interviews lined up. If you follow us on Instagram, uh, either myself at it's Dave Clayton or He Shoots He Draws. You'll see some of the guests that we've got lined up. So I uh, hope you enjoy this week's interview. Stay safe, stay indoors, listen to what people are telling you. Don't go out. Stay in and listen to podcasts. And when it all blows over, we'll all meet up for a drink and celebrate. So uh, I'll see you next week. Hi, and welcome back to He Shoots He Draws. Now, for full transparency, this is another attempt at interviewing my wonderful guests today. We had some audio problems last time, but we're not going to let that defeat us. So we're back again after our rehearsal. And I'm going to introduce them both. It's Doc and Julie Reed, But I'm going to let them tell us who they are individually. So ladies first. Hi. <clears throat> Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I am Julie Reed. Um, I do photography as well as manage the household the ceo ceo coo cfo cfo i don't say cfo all the things you are (laughs) (laughs) so i joked off offhand that it's we are ridiculous but yeah it's uh you are truly a he shoots he draws partnership so you're perfect for this podcast (laughs) right on yeah Okay. Uh, uh, Except she she shoots he draws. Yes. So let, yeah. so who's who's he draws? Uh, he draws is uh, Doc Reed, and um, like you said, uh, been operating under the Iron Reedicus moniker for I don't know, fifteen years, maybe ten fifteen years. Oh wow! I think my first gig poster was in two thousand nine, two thousand eight. I oh, yeah. sort of taught myself screen printing after college. So yeah. 
So you came out, you came straight out of school wanting to be a designer. I mean, did you both, being that you've both got photography and design, was that something you both came out of education with thinking, well, I'd love to do this if I can do it, but obviously, like I did, you also need a job because you want money, because you want a car, because you want to go out. So looking back that you're both doing it today, what what were your kind of dreams to be when you were coming out of college, university? I went to college for photography. Honestly, I don't even really think I knew what I wanted to do with it necessarily. I think it was just one of those landing a job. Um, and I did. I landed a graphic graphics and photography job at a table tennis company yeah um that was pretty awesome so i was able to do some sports photography which i was i felt pretty comfortable in my skin doing sports photography um because you had like a hundred <clears throat> millimeter zoom and you didn't have to interact with them no no okay i okay. <laughs> <laughs> i'm getting so how, i'm getting I, the death, death daggers <laughs> <laughs> no i had to have the 800 millimeter zoom to be far enough you gotta be in the action so you need to <laughs> but far enough yeah, back no, where get, you don't I, like disturb the players <laughs> exactly i get that you I, my groove I know, yeah. <laughs> no i know quite a few sports photographers and that's what they say is you have to be anonymous in sports you have to be invisible on the touchline you get the best shots but you can't be there for the players and i know uh there's a Scott Kelby, the person who I've yeah. done most of my work for, he was shooting a match on the touchline and famously on TV, one of the, I think it's guy for Green Bay Packers or something, ran straight off the pitch into him, sent him flying, broke his tripod, <laughs> his monopod, and it was on TV. Oh, and it's like, well, that's that's what happens when you get close to the action. So he uses a, a long lens. So... <laughs> So you, did you own a camera? Did you go and buy, buy a camera? Did you inherit one? Because all the photographers I know all, always go, oh, yeah, my granddad or my dad loved photography and they passed it on to me and I picked up his camera when I was five and I was in a dark oh, room by six and I was... <clears throat> yeah, my, my dad had an old Vivitar camera. I guess that would be my first SLR, which I picked up and started using it in high school. I was on the newspaper staff. Um in high school because I knew I wanted to do photography and that was sort of a good gateway to start doing that in high school to get some experience. Then I went to community college um, and did photography there, which is, I don't think I did alternative process in community college. I think I hit, yeah, I hit uh, East Carolina, the alternative photography class, which is where I sort of fell in love with the cyanotype and the alternative process, the Polaroid transfers, um, cyanotypes, Van Dyke prints, so you color. liked getting your hands dirty with it. I I like that I didn't have to sit in a dark room all day. I mean, the alternative process, depending on what you're doing, can be time, like a, a time hog. Like there's the four color gum Arabic prints that would literally take you days to do. But then cyanotypes are relatively um, easy outside of doing the negative in the dark room. But you could be in a fully lit classroom <laughs> talking to people yeah. <laughs> while waiting for your thing to be done. So it, it was just, the process was, I felt just cooler and more interesting. That's what I love about that kind of with photography and design is the experimentation side of it is, you know, you've got kids coming out of college now and they, I don't know, for example, they see Aaron Draplin and they go, right, well, thick lines for me all the way. And then you go on Instagram and all they're doing is just going, ah, oh, recipe, follow that, and it's a conveyor belt. Whereas the people I've got to know over my 
short short years on this planet you know like i'm really late really late 40s so late i got detention um, <laughs> it's the fact that, that, that those that came from the dark room and i did do dark room at school i did experiment with some weird stuff in photography but at that time it never really bit me i was still a, a designer at that point and i liked using what i did in the dark room for design but i never bit on the photography thing but that experimentation just seems to be the designers you speak to that have kind of had that evolution from where they started they seem to have enjoyed the process more so you know you you've been doing the cyanotype project but that goes back to something you did when you came out of community community college yeah. so it's good that you haven't lost that like oh i can't be bothered with the mess i've got the kids i've got you know stuff to do you're still happy to get all that equipment out and still experiment well, that and the equipment's I, simple i don't need a dark room necessarily to do it and yeah it, it, I mean, it was an easier thing to jump back into than the dark room side of stuff yeah. in fact you, yours is the opposite isn't it you don't you just don't need a dark room at all it's all light yeah mm-hmm. yeah i i know in college you had a lot of like cyanotypes and van dykes that you would do with your film negatives that you enjoyed and i thought were wonderful but it it has been uh refreshing to like you were saying just grab stuff off the tree make some arrangements on paper and mostly sort of like exercises in composition Mm -hmm. and and light with the way we're doing it now is just putting it down on paper and testing exposures to see if we can get veins to show up on the print or if it's just going to be blown up blown out so and you like we said we said the first time we recorded this is that serendipity yeah. it's those mm-hmm. little happy accidents that produce some of the most interesting work and we will go back to your beginning i haven't forgotten you all there doc. <laughs> <laughs> but i know of late um just talking about projects you've been working on recently is you've been using your like artistry your design skills and combining the two because i love the thing you did with you took one of the prints and you saw something and you drew on top oh yeah i I think i don't know if i mentioned it last time did i mention my friend aaron blaze did the project with the clouds no so aaron who was who worked for disney for 20 years who's an amazing artist um he did a project about three years ago where he just sat taking pictures of clouds and then he would just put them on his Cintiq and he started drawing these characters. And when I say drawing these characters, if you Google Aaron Blaze and clouds, you will see the difference between you and I sketching on a cloud and an ex-Disney animator yeah. uh, painting. But it, it was just that. He, he just sat there one day and thought, well, I'll have a project. I'll do this. No, that's awesome. So I think it's cool that you can put the two things together that you've done. I know you were giving some away through cancelled con, yeah. mm-hmm. which we'll talk about later. But just go, okay, let's go rewind a little bit then. So, Doc, you're a pencil and paper man. <laughs> uh, I know your background, you were influenced by cartoons oh, and illustrators. So tell us a bit about your your history. Uh, my, my entry point, I think, into the art, world was uh chuck jones and maurice noble with with tom and jerry and bugs bunny and um good old saturday morning cartoons um then comic books sort of the next evolution and whatnot and i think a lot of my line work still is rem or relies heavily on that key line from comic books um more of a graphic line and trying to figure out if that's gonna stick around or not honestly like <laughs> uh, seeing some of like what you're saying with some of the animators and things that 
what they're doing now, it, it blows my mind what, what can be done. And so I'm trying, you know, just trying out new things. And I've always been one that would try something out, see how it was done to learn it, to ha have it added as a, um, you know, an arrow in the quiver type of a thing. And I think that has definitely lent itself to being a, uh, a reason why several of the pieces in my portfolio have just like, they're all over the place, shotgun type of uh, <laughs> approach to, to art and drawing. So I was going to say your Instagram, I was looking through and it's a hot kind mess. Of scrolling back. It, well, I mean, I wouldn't call it a hot mess, but it was certainly an eclectic mix of art, which which was nice because it just shows you've tried you try stuff. And I think all too often these days, like we just said before about like the kid, I call them kids today, coming out of design school, they automatically seem. And I know I'm painting a broad stroke here, but I, because of what I see on Dribble and Instagram, yeah. is they instantly see somebody with success and go, "Well, I just want that recipe, and I'm just going to keep making that thing all the time until I'm as famous as that person." Yeah. And it's well, you know, that's not going to happen because you, if you don't experiment, you don't find your style, oh, yeah. or you don't find the thing that you you seem to love, and then you know make a living from because it is a the design world in the time i've been at astute the last three years i've been exploring different kinds of art and illustration i just can't believe the diversity that there is and yet you can look at some people's work and just go that's a matt taylor that's uh yeah. you know paul shipper that's a people have developed style which is nice to be the the person at the front it blows my mind how naturally it comes to some people. And I've heard a couple people right now I'm working through like the, the Neil Gaiman masterclass. And yeah. he had a quote that said, style is the stuff you get wrong. And he attributed that to Jerry Garcia and, and his guitar playing. And it was one of those things that it sounds bass backwards when you hear it, but then you realize like, Oh, the way that I draw noses and eyes is my shorthand to get to the end goal and it's it's been picked up from mark bagley and jim lee and things like you know mark uh mcfarland or todd mcfarland and comic books yeah but then some of the way that i'll handle backgrounds and things of that nature very much is trying to pull on the you know the maurice noble who was the you know the background artist matt painter for um, a lot of the chuck jones uh cartoons yeah. where they it set it up so that there was a you know, a, a graphic shape that was behind the action. So it, it focused you in on what was happening and trying to be better and smarter about how I set up pages here with, with artwork now. Did you ever want to be an animator, though? Interesting that your background was cartoon art, uh, but it was, yeah. but you're a static artist. Was your initial dream to be an animator, but then you realized you just enjoyed drawing the first one and not bothering with the next 3,000? Yeah, when I, when I realized I had to draw 24 to make a second. a second, I was like, so what can you do in a second? And I was like, nothing. <laughs> um, it very much was, uh, I think, like realizing that I, I, was not proficient enough and I wasn't good enough at the the time to draw the same character repeatedly um, and have mm. the likeness be nailed um, was a deterrent. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but yeah, Disney, Disney, I mean, like anybody's like, I want to do that for a living. So Disney and animation was in there and then sort of evolved and, and 
like I was saying with the Chuck Jones, you know, Tom and Jerry and Bugs Bunny cartoons, it was very much like the slapstick and Daffy being an idiot and trying to, you know, kill bugs 90% of the time <laughs> was what drew me in initially. But then I found myself um, really just being enamored with the way that the the matte paintings and the backgrounds were drawn and just I think my love of offset registration and overprinting with screen printing really yeah. started back with a lot of those paintings um where I know my influences when I was a kid I mean I was fascinated with I mean I I was a co I was a copier artist as a kid I I would sit and copy as much as I could because I couldn't pause the tv back then you know the three channels I had <laughs> um but I just remember I loved like even now Top Cat I think yellow black purple oh yeah it's in it, Wiley Coyote um Hanna-Barbera Chuck Jones the you know Tom and Jerry's all of those cartoons I, I didn't really care too much for Disney when I was younger it was all those cartoons yep. that made me want to draw and just got my attention really quickly that and, and things like science fiction shows that had a lot of branding and color mm -hmm. like star trek oh, yeah. and time tunnel and those kind of time things tunnel. wow yeah they definitely land of the giants uh -huh. they those things definitely cut the colors and just the that retro i love the retro style i think that's definitely that stuff that i remember all that art whenever i think of anything that i enjoyed all comes from the 60s and 70s Man. yeah <laughs> I, it I don't necessarily know what happened to cartoons, but it definitely took a like a dog leg hard right back in the in the late nineties or maybe his early nineties. Mm -hmm. uh, I yeah, I would. I used to say I blamed Ren and Stimpy. <laughs> uh, I just I thought of Ren, and Stimpy. <laughs> um, but I, I mean, dirty. Well, uh, it when you have sort of the care that was taken with the matte paintings of like the Maurice Noble and the Chuck Jones era. Um, like, I know that they were pushing in on that and trying to develop something else, but it, it definitely, like, the care didn't necessarily, and I I realized that the artists out there that were working on it that cared about what they were doing, but uh, it, it didn't come across that way visually to me, like... And and so I it, it definitely got a little disinterested in a lot of it, especially yeah. when you got, like, studio... Uh, Ghibli with, with just sort of the matte paintings and things that they would do and it just absolutely breathtaking um, so I mean to each his own I mean I think it's the Powerpuff Girls and Dexter's Laboratory like those still had well Foster's Home for Imaginary Friends was probably my favorite like post 90s cartoon where um, I think there was line quality and colors and there was still a bit of that composition graphic design influence in how the sets were developed and things of that nature so i always think when you when you look at things like like what say wacky races uh -huh. that had so much action so much so many characters so much color and then you compare that to peppa pig <laughs> <laughs> and, and it's just kind of it's still art it's still it's still a, a style of art you you'd know you could zoom in on any part of a peppa pig episode and know that it's peppa pig mm -hmm. in the same way you could with tom and jerry yep. But you're right. I just think uh, as a, as an art form, I think it definitely got diluted through the 90s. I think it was just a case of now we've got television and we can churn stuff out. We need more programs. Let's do it quicker. I remember when Tom and Jerry changed. Yeah. That was it for me. 
the, the whatever the last traditional Tom and Jerry cartoon was, that for me was the last Tom and Jerry. The only thing I've seen recently that actually made me think, do you know what, I'll go and watch this because it actually does look quite good fun, is the Scooby-Doo movie that they're just about to bring out whenever we're all allowed to go to the cinema. <laughs> and it was just purely because it's like the... the um, the, the telling of how Shaggy and Scooby got together, but it's all 3D, it's all like Pixar okay. stuff. But it looks quite good. They've, they stayed quite true. And one of the artists who, when they were talking about Scooby-Doo, said it's really funny because when Scooby used to be drawn flat, he had a look and he was always drawn either straight on or mm-hmm. sideways. Yeah. But in a, in a 3D world, his head doesn't work. <laughs> they, said, <laughs> they said, as an actual object his head isn't isn't right so they had a lot of time trying to develop scooby's head to make it work <laughs> man but, but that's a whole other that thing <laughs> so as a photographer is there anybody that you were kind of inspired by or remember thinking i want to be that i know you mentioned was it van dyke um just van dyke explain Prince who, is a, what that is oh, no van dyke is a it's another alternate process it's a it's a brown emulsion as opposed to a blue emulsion it was a bit more finicky getting that emotion on the paper so i got a few of those in my portfolio from college um but as far as which I, I mean ansel adams always a huge a huge name um richard avedon did amazing work um with portraits and for a while i thought i'd do portraiture but i did horribly in my studio class i could not <laughs> figure out the lights to save my life and it was I was like, okay, so I guess I'm not doing this. Um, and I muddled, I muddled my way through my studio photography class. But um, maybe I just never felt like I was that great in the dark room or how to finagle like those, those things that you know Ansel Adams was able. I mean, he was just. I mean, there's just no league that anybody can reach that where he's at. Like, just with the with the way he yeah. looked at light and was able to just capture it. Um, lights and shadow. I think the shadows was what gave me the trouble. Um, yeah, and maybe that's why I sort of pulled back for a while because all those people are just so so far ahead that you're just like, what am I gonna do? And yeah, that's interesting though that you're you've got more of a style that you followed where you've looking at Doc here because people <laughs> well, that's can't see I'm a rule follower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you're like, let's you... do this, and I'm like, uh, that's okay. not how that's supposed to work. Yeah. But we touched on this when we when we did this interview mm-hmm. the first time around. Is you were saying, Julie, that you tend to like you stick to the rules. Yeah. You go step A, step B, I step like the C. Clean edges and you, yeah. When you're making cyanotypes, you definitely the like the and... the cleaner uh, brushed edges. Where I'm like, give me a ratty brush that I can just. There's all kind of spikes and expressive edges on the cyanotypes, and yeah. you're just like, no. <laughs> So I would I say this with with types is you've got one who colours in between the lines and one who colours outside the lines. I think it's always a good. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you've Perfect got two form. lanes that you run in. <laughs> yeah. So how did you two? Because obviously a lot of our listeners are photographers. There are some designers that will listen to, and that even at this point they'll know. I know you really well, and we will talk about that. How how have you two ended up together? I don't mean that in as a, how the hell have you two ended up together? <laughs> how did you two kind of end up together? Because now, you know, four children on and, and living in the same house, you're working together, you're under, you know, you, you are now working together as in on each other's projects. How did, how did that happen? What was your chat up line? Come on. <laughs> how do we, uh, how do we get together? 
was gonna say she she lived in the apartment next to the band that I was in. Like three of the five of us were living in an apartment that was adjacent to to mine to you and the the Stratford Arm ladies. Mm-hmm. And so I, I was coming around because I was the drummer that didn't live with the rest of the band and would come up for practice. And she caught my eye. And of course, at the time I was. You're dating somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> um, oh, dang. I thought you were cute. Oh, he's dating somebody. Okay. But um, so we, uh, yeah, picked up in college and um, went to a couple iron pours that the School of Art was doing uh, at Halloween. And both of us had our cameras. Mine was a Nicromat that my dad had that uh, was his college camera and, and, and whatnot. And so I was shooting 35 millimeter and... Um, just having a good time, enjoying photography, and we, you know, of course, being in a band, you, you rope her into taking band photos and live oh, yeah. live images. So she was taking pictures of the band for years, oh, and uh, yeah, um, and then realized like I enjoyed photography as well, and so I sort of tagged along on on things and would start picking up the camera and you know trying to capture pictures of her with the children because a lot of times it was you know just pictures of the kids or or things of that nature so being a family it was important to me to have her visually represented as well as the fact that that the children are are behaved and and fed (laughs) and nourished and clean and and everything else like there's so much more that that goes into uh that and so i wanted especially when the kids look back to be able to see both of us in the memories that were captured yeah how long have you been together now uh 14 14 years this august August, yeah married and then we dated for three years yeah i think yeah i drug my feet a little bit (laughs) (laughs) don't wheel (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah so um but yeah so i think total has been just shy of 20 years no that math is not right (laughs) 17 14 years I I did a whole podcast interview talking about like my history how I started and I got all the maths (laughs) wrong I got my ages wrong and stuff and it wasn't until I was listening to it afterwards I was going I'm sure I was older than that when I did that and I went and wrote it down and I was out by like five (laughs) years I was yeah I started this when I was like no no, come on time's just like going blah so I I don't like it I failed uh, I, I joked the other day someone posted on social media about um things that you lie about and I said, Well, I always lied about my exam results because my school got knocked down and I was convinced that all my exam results were knocked down with it. I didn't realise there's like a central record. <laughs> but when I was going for jobs, I was just making stuff up. But maths <laughs> I I was ungraded. I'm useless at maths. I'm good pencil and paper and visuals I'm great, but if I have to fathom stuff out thank god for iphones <laughs> and siri and oh yeah <laughs> um for sure so i've known you then let's talk about why i'm interviewing you i've known doc probably i've known of your name for probably about four years i would say oh, i knew i'd seen your name about prior to joining astute and then it wasn't till i got into astute graphics i started listening to more podcasts and reading more about events that your name kind of kept popping up that blows my mind so and and because 
And just because I'm intrigued by the name I am Ridicus, <laughs> it was just, I, I liked it. There's something about it that made me kind of look a little bit further. Well, who is this? What is this person's name? What does he do? So by the time Creative South came round, my first Creative South event, you were one of the people I was looking forward to seeing who you were. <laughs> and and I remember like being a bit, not a fanboy, even though I'm older than you, I was a bit of a fan, like, oh, that's Doc Reed, wow. <laughs> people are going up to him and I recognise him now. And I know we had a photograph taken yeah. together where we were photo, photobombed by the guy in the painting. <laughs> yeah. But that, that was like one of my first Creative South moments where I met somebody I'd been watching that didn't know. Yeah, um, Creeper. <laughs> and, it, it, and it was just cool to meet you and like anyone at creative south no you know nobody was a dick everyone yeah. was just really nice and friendly mm. absolutely so so from going going to that event that was that's probably one of my most favorite events i've been to that sort of changed my life a little bit more again creative south definitely did that for me as well like it it definitely there were design heroes of mine that were attending and uh, I, none of them that I had the, the gumption to go up and ask or like say hey to treated me weird or, or, or whatnot. I mean, the fact that they set Creative South up so that, hey, we're going to have sessions and then, all right, we're going to kick you guys out, go have lunch together, and we'd just bombard the local, you know, sandwich shops or bistros or whatever. And it's just like, uh, this table's only meant to seat six people. You have 42 shoved around it. Like, <laughs> um, you know, while you're waiting for your food, uh, you get into talks and you realize, oh, you're, you know, you're so-and-so and you're so-and-so. And, uh, I've been ad admiring your work and how did you figure this out or tell me about this project? And, you know, everybody was just sort of like, oh yeah, that was, that was a personal project of mine. It, it put me on the, the uh art director's desk for for this project because i saw the x y and z and so it was it was fun to sort of connect the dots with people that you know i like you're saying that you admire and and whatnot so do you at what point did you realize because i know we talked about it the, the first time we did this recording and i was asking julie is i know i've had it I know when I felt it in the last 10 years, because I've only had like the best bit of my career in the last 10 mm -hmm. years. As weird as that sounds, it's that's been my purple patch. The first time someone comes up to you that you don't know that says, hey, are you yeah. Dave Clayton or are you Doc Reed? It's that weird recognition of, uh, yeah, what have I done? <laughs> <laughs> Rather than... You, yeah <laughs> are you from the irs yeah. <laughs> but how, what kind of not that there was a defining moment but what point did you start to think i don't know i better be more careful how i behave who i am or have i got a reputation to live up to now um because people are now looking at my work honestly i think this past year 2019 we were having breakfast at Creative South, and we were sitting around the table, and was we just were talking with like three or four other people that were there at breakfast, and um, we came in. Julie and I came in late for breakfast, and you know said, "Hey, do you mind if we join you?" And sat down at the you know continental breakfast table. Yeah, bagel and, and orange, <laughs> uh, and started talking and introduced ourselves. And I was like, "Hey, I'm I'm Doc. This is my wife." Julie and um, Mike, 
a young lady across the table goes, like, I am Redicus, Doc? And, <laughs> and I was like, uh, oh, yeah? It, it, and Julie's like, you don't live with him. <laughs> don't get, don't give him that. Cool. Don't blow that smoke. Yeah. Uh, um, I, I don't know if I've felt the need to sort of like <laughs> clean up my act per se, but I've always tried to live with the uh, the thinking that, you know, people are people. It doesn't really matter who you are, where you're coming from. Like, uh, I've been grateful to meet some of my heroes that treated me like a human. And I remember feeling how wonderful that felt. Like, they didn't have a clue who I was or why I wanted to talk to them. But they were gracious enough to go, hey, yeah, um, thanks for coming out or whatever. You know, thanks for coming to say hey it means a lot and i know you mean me <laughs> but the carry on <laughs> i i was fanboying over meeting somebody from astute uh in all honesty like yeah i remembered getting um put or picked for like a um showcase oh you were on the blog yeah uh showcase yeah yeah you were on the blog before i joined the... that's that was the first time i saw yeah. it saw your name and like oh i know who that yeah, is yeah make something make something sticker. Yeah. yeah the sticker and then you got yeah. the mug i've still got the mug downstairs and the, uh, the nice coffee mug, bit. by the oh, way because yeah. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, nice. that that creative south was your first one that you came to how did you find it julie looking um, obviously seeing what doc does know, but right? then all, you're, so all of a sudden you're meeting his like, people <laughs> yeah like, what do i do with that um no it was i was super nervous i'm an introvert um by nature i have to confess this quarantine has made me realize i love being an extrovert um yeah but uh you love being married to an extrovert that i drags do you places it, i do because it doesn't because i don't have to like do it on my own like somebody does it for me yeah um i was i was nervous because like he's famous right and i'm like okay <laughs> i'm just gonna sit back twiddle my thumbs while he you know chats about um signs autographs but, like drapling um <laughs> but it was it was really cool because i mean everyone was just so nice and i mean talking like your old friends and just genuinely like interested in not just the work but the like the people and the person like hey yeah i saw this you know instagram thing hey how's your family like you know i think i, I love the, the whole hug necks thing that that just rules around creative south because it's totally true like it's all yeah like i mean more than just showing off your work it's you know sharing your trade secrets you know there's it's not really a secret it's like hey yeah you should try this or hey how did you do that thing oh let me show you and they'd break out their ipad just like you do it like this and everyone's like oh it's that's so easy like why couldn't i figure that out and they're like oh it's you know it's it's a small trick like this and I mean, everyone was just, there was no, like, guarding of your, oh, this is my style. You can't figure this out because yeah, it's I mine, know. and then that means you'll be better than me. And, I mean, it's just, it's it's bettering other people. Like, that's what was just really cool yeah, about mm-hmm. Creative South. Creative it's, South couldn't have existed 15 years ago. No. That it, it would have been unheard of. It would have, people were so... Oh, we, we've said many a time in a podcast that you think back 15 years ago when everyone had their own style is they would never even talk about what they do. Whereas these days you go on YouTube and everyone's competing to share 
mm-hmm. all there. Yeah. It's yeah, I'm not that there are secrets, it's just techniques. But yeah, it's and that's what I loved about it is the fact that people are so open and oh yeah, yeah, I saw you did that and you were asked this question. I'd like to show you. It was and as a as a Brit, we, you know, we're quite we've got a reputation for being. You know, I remember going. To, I remember going to the cinema to see Ransom when I was in America. I think it was 1996, and it was the first time a film finished, and everyone in the theatre applauded. Now, in England, <laughs> you've got to earn your applause for, with us. <laughs> we're we're not that kind of whoop whoop kind of thing. So, creative self. I'm a I'm a tactile person. I'm a I'm like that anyway. I used to be an introvert. I used to be really quiet, you know. I'd be, be I'd be behind the wallpaper. I was that quiet. <laughs> but as I've as I've come out of myself and pretty much been to mostly American events, I've sort of I, I embrace it. I love the fact that people are so friendly and huggy and and that kind of thing. But it's that first Creative South. It was weird that how a, a British person could have come along and been like, whoa. Why does everyone keep touching me? <laughs> I need to go back to the hotel and take yeah. a shower and sanitizer. Shower. <laughs> yeah. So but it was it was nice. I I think um I learned a lot from that first one. Yeah. Um especially in in the job that I do and the people I've met that I realize now the friends I've got in the industry and you know being asked I mean this is another thing being asked to be on a podcast you know when we started the podcast I just kind of used it as a reason to be able to chat to mm-hmm. people I probably who would probably say no if I emailed them and said you fancy a phone call <laughs> but but throw a podcast in there and it's great and I've got to speak to a few and but when you when you're asked to be on a podcast as a guest that was what a thing I found a bit weird because it was like well I just work for a company mm-hmm. I'm, I, I said the last time when we spoke is none of my, apart from the book covers I've done, none of my work is, is out there. I don't have a portfolio. No, no one attributes me to a style of anything that they, I'm just, I've just been a working graphic designer with probably my, my introvert side is that um, George McFly, you know, what <laughs> if I, what if I get, so I've tended to not put my work out there. So when I was asked to be in a podcast, it felt quite weird it, that mm. it's, well... What do I have to what say? What do I have I to know, say? Right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. But I've actually quite enjoyed it because it's not until someone asks you some questions that you think back and think, oh, crikey, yeah. I um, That did influence mm-hmm. me. I hadn't realised. I... And then you look at your work and go back, well, I was heavily influenced by mm-hmm. that. I With putting together... Um, a talk back a couple years ago Brian Yon asked me if I'd share and I my thought was I don't have anything to say nobody wants to hear from me um honestly I would challenge everybody that's in the creative field or you know any industry really take a pad of paper write down some thoughts and start acting like you've got a talk to do put a talk together and you'll start realizing you've got more to say and more that you are not on the fence about than you realize. Like that was one of the, yeah, my biggest takeaway from putting a talk together was like, Oh, I do believe this about art. I do believe this about myself. I do believe this about our community and, and things of that nature. So it was definitely influential and, and informative for me to put a talk together. I think age comes into it as well. I know because I've had this kind of weird thing of, you know, up to the age of 40, I just worked. Mm-hmm. 
that was it i enjoyed stuff enjoyed doing stuff but i never tried freelancing or anything like that it was only around 2008 probably yeah 2007 2008 where i really kind of thought well i could try this sort of freelance side project i don't know is it for me so now that i'm older that when when i'm asked questions about certain things in the industry is i find Oh, am I just being old and cantankerous here? Am I just like looking at all these people on social media going, oh, I need sympathy. I I, I spoke to um, Jason on Feasting Mm -hmm. on Design and we were talking about things like anxiety and um, imposter syndrome and all of that, which I listen to so many podcasts where I hear people talking about it and it's really weird how I just instantly think, God, I'm glad I'm not 25 right now yeah because if i if i think about what i had when i was 25 and it was a big giant beige computer with about two (laughs) meg (laughs) of hard drive and no mobile devices no phones no anything if i suddenly was 25 and had all what everyone's got today it's like my my age is just come on how can you find this difficult you've got everything Mm -hmm. you can change direction so quickly is you can pivot on what you're doing. You've got the choices, you've got the communication that I I sometimes feel bad saying my thoughts on podcasts because I'm speaking as a 54-year-old man trying to to be a 25-year-old designer. So I have to kind of police myself a little bit on what what I say and what I think because it's maybe i'm not as relevant although i'm in the in the industry am i as relevant as i think i should be that's what i find weird well something that i have started realizing is that age and wisdom in general have sort of been cast aside as irrelevant and i think there's a lot to be learned from people that are 5 10 15 20 30 years down your career path road like have been through a lot what worked for them won't necessarily work for you but there Mm. is um you know little slivers of genius that are in there if you're willing to ask um and i think with social media and just the the way the world seems to work now it, it definitely seems like it's geared toward you know advertising sort of made a push to to capture the the hearts and minds of the the young you know adolescents uh, you know with advertising and i think that shifted a lot of um the spotlight off of you know sort of where you'd sort of naturally come into your own as a career and as an artist or as a you know individual where everyone's glory days and and peak like everyone peaks at, <laughs> at 20 and it's just yeah. like <laughs> Um, yeah, but then you look at history and you realize like Michelangelo was, you know, <laughs> 70, 80 when he was hitting his, you know, doing the masterpieces. Yeah. Like he was a, would start stuff and not finish them, start stuff and get fired, start stuff and, you know, would go horribly wrong or whatnot. And it wasn't till the second half, second, you know, second half of his lifetime that he really, was able to hone in and find and i mean that i found comfort in that you know back 10 yeah, years ago as i as, do it's like jeez i'm i'm no longer in my 20s and it's like i'm done for like i don't have a book deal i don't i'm not you know i'm not doing this i haven't worked with espn or you know any of these clients that i wanted to work for and 
uh, so yeah, my design career is over and it wasn't, you know, I, I had again, good friends that sort of came alongside me and was realized that I was going in a downward spiral and sort of was like, Hey, don't, don't sell yourself short type of a thing. You've got quite a few yeah. miles left in you. I think as well, it's like the fact we've both got four children. Mm-hmm. Um, yours are a lot younger than mine. I've got kind of a split of, I've got two in their twenties and two that are 10 and 11. Mm-hmm. Also this generation, everything's instant. Mm. So it's like if they don't, if they actually don't get that overnight success, or or the phrase I keep hearing at the moment is like TikTok mm-hmm. famous. It's like wow, what what uh, what's the word metric? What metric do we measure our success by? You know, you have four young children; they are able to access things instantly. Um, whereas I know it's taken me ten years to get a yeah. book. And then I get people say to me, oh, you know the publishers. Can you put me in touch with them? I've got a book idea. And it's like, I've no, do it my way. <laughs> do it the hard way. Yeah. Um, I, I, love, like, I love watching your Instagram live. So I love like the other day when the power went out and you're making the coffee. It's, <laughs> it's weird how, you know, back when we had three TV channels. That was out of necessity. And, you know, scheduled the, program. The coffee was made so that four children four wouldn't children die. Sweat, but I think you needed to burn. Yeah. I think you needed to burn something. I needed to play with fire for sure. <laughs> Yeah, but but that social media thing is you, you know you've got you've got to manage four children in a world of social media and police everything. Yeah. I kind of I like watching my design and photographer friends doing this live transmission stuff because this is something I haven't done. Mm-hmm. I don't do the the Instagram live or the Facebook live. I've definitely got a face for braille <laughs> <laughs> or rail. <laughs> it's another one of those things it's like you sit there thinking well should i be doing this should i or shall i just stay in my lane shall i look i'm comfortable here do i get the best work like for you julie do you get your best work when you stay in your lane because it's like look i know i know this thing i'm doing i'm going to keep doing it is good whereas if doc said oh no you should go and do a load of instagram lives now you probably would feel it a distraction and be like ah and throw the phone as far as you can probably i I never liked being in front of the camera. Um, yeah, I'd, I mean, you could if you saw the cancel con video. I started out super awkward, and I got comfortable as it like progressed. But yeah, I would say I do an Instagram live, and then a, a year later, it might happen. <laughs> might. Yeah. Um, well, the cancel. The speaking of the cancel con, so I was going to touch on that was. I mean, what a great idea oh to put that on with the cancellation of, of I mean, at, Hawk did such an amazing yeah, job pulling that together. Just crazy enough to pull it off, and he absolutely pulled it off. Yeah, I think only, if anybody could, yes. I think only he could. Yeah. He, he had that just energy to, to do that whole two days back to back. And I, know, I think he's talking yeah, about doing the second one. Yeah, he just one. released some, I think Our July is, is the new, new, new dates that he's putting out so yeah um i'm excited to see um, <laughs> how he pulls it off and what he learned from the first one because it was it yeah. was an intense you know 12 13 hours one day and then 11 12 hours the second day all streamed from his from his bedroom, bedroom in california from his bedroom you are a madman no i am gonna i'm gonna tap him up see if i can do something with him because so in, they, he needs an international touch <laughs> It was it was all it was all to America for like me. a little bit of tea time with Clayton. Yeah, <laughs> needed changing accent uh-huh. here. Yeah. But no, it was su- such a good thing. And the project that you two have been working on, 
and I know what we we said this in the first time we recorded it is you had a Skillshare class right there between you the production <laughs> the video quality you were both I mean you were comfortable Julie because you were doing something you love yeah. doing if you'd been asked to do something that was out of your comfort zone you would have felt and looked awkward but the fact that the pair of you were working on a project it was so well filmed so well put together it was really interesting as well for something that you know if you don't know anything about it you learn a lot about it and so many people were commenting wow this has been my favorite thing so far out of all the talks so take my hat off to you you did a fantastic job and i think you should do more of that i think it's definitely uh, you hit a sweet spot there (laughs) trying to figure i I had a couple of friends reach out after afterwards as well and, and said you know I think Zach Wilkinson said, uh, if you had a Patreon, that was all I, all I would subscribe and support to. And I'm like, well, that's not a lot of pressure. (laughs) (laughs) Um, so I mean, I'd be lying if I said that it wasn't rattling around in my skull of how to, I do more of it. I mean, it goes back to, you know, feeling like you don't really have anything to say. And it's like, Oh, uh, we did it about Santa types. I, I can't really do another one about Santa types. Um, what else do we are we interested in? I mean, in my mind, it was like we could do one on screen printing and then we're done. <laughs> um, but um, but there's parts think. within that rather than yeah, rather than just kind of throw it all in one bowl. It's like the cyanotype thing is three parts anyway. It's the first part is planning. Mm-hmm. You know what 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 am I going to do all this for? Uh, you talk about going out and gathering the stuff that you needed so you're kind of doing composition in your head because you're thinking well this leaf over this leaf and what what should you be looking for is there any specific kind of thing like the condition it needs to be in to make it good then you come back you're you're now processing what you're going to do then you actually create the stuff then hand it off to you you're doing the illustration then it's you know and the next thing I wanted to talk about was obviously you you run a business so you've got things like passive income and you know selling prints and selling your artwork i mean you've got to make money yeah i think don't sell yourself short (laughs) you you just need to take the things you do and just spread it out and chop it into smaller pieces i appreciate that thank you yeah trying trying to figure it out i mean like like we were talking about earlier screen printing gig posters was sort of my entry point outside of the design day job where you punched in and did the work and and whatnot. And gig posters are sort of that excuse for me to try and test things that didn't fly at the agency per se. Like I'd have ideas. So like, hey, why don't we do this? And I, uh, no, that's too punk rock or too left field for this client. And I was like, I think it's a pretty cool idea. So I had several, you know, poster ideas that started at, at one place and ended up in a completely different place and i i think for me that you know having a side project to go and explore and execute it was crucial i mean it, they inform one another for sure like the research you do for your personal projects ends yeah. up informing work you're going to do for your you know nine to five if that's where you're at or and then vice versa like hey, you can allow your day job to influence you know if you've got stuff that you can get your gears going, write it, write it on a notepad, and then come back to it, type thing. So, do you mind that people know you've got a day job? No, I, I in all honesty, okay. I've been surprised at how well I fooled everyone. 
same here. Uh, <laughs> the amount of times I get contacted during the day because people think I just am me. I'm my my business mm-hmm. is me, and it's not. I've I've had a day job since I left yeah. school at the age of sixteen. Uh, I've I've. We've had the LLC for Redicus for, I think I, or LL, I got the legal whatever back in 2011 or 12, but I was sort of operating, doing business as Redicus as, you know, the moniker, I, you know, 2007, I think I started dabbling and, and, and whatnot. And I think 2008 or nine was my first screen print poster and it it literally was a it started out of desperation for sanity <laughs> you know of <laughs> growing you know get graduating college was like oh i'm gonna get a creative job and it'll fulfill me type of a thing and i graduated and my first job was at walden's books i was selling you know books and then i got moved out to the kiosk selling the calendars and I just like, I've got to get out of here type of a thing. And I realized I, I had notebooks that I was filling with ideas and mm-hmm. thoughts while I was working the kiosk as people were walking by and, um, and then would get home and would, would start executing on them. I, since transitioning to like full-time day job agency in-house, you know, situations over the past four employers, like I... I'm burnt out a lot of times when I get home. I've like been sitting in InDesign, mm. Photoshop, and Illustrator for eight plus hours a day. Like you know, by the time you eat dinner, put the kids to bed, it's like I need a nap. Um, yeah, and I find that third hat ooh. is the most difficult one because you know you're a father and a husband, then you're a daytime employee, so you've now got a set amount of hours of responsibility, and that brings in the wage that that pays for the roof over your head that third hat is the hardest one to wear because it's you know you might commit to something um i mean i've really scaled back on the stuff i used to do outside of work so i realize it's got to be a Mm -hmm. balance the girls are now at an age where they want more time i don't want to be sat in here but when you do put that hat on you have to make sure that the time counts and that you're not procrastinating or being distracted by something because you know obviously it's like julie's being the mum you want time off to experiment and play with your art which means you put dad hat on you get to put your third hat on it is it is a difficult thing so i've you know i've just found for me the easiest thing to do was actually stop taking on design work Mm -hmm. Uh, i take the odd one or two on if somebody says they want some branding doing or logo or you know what i'd consider a job i can turn around in a week but i don't promote myself i find the thing i've enjoyed the most is writing that's that's actually i found it was really weird writing about what i do pays more than me doing the thing i'm writing about (laughs) (laughs) that's come with age experience and time is that i can you know the the book took me a year um when glim writes a book it takes him three months you know and it's done and dusted it's that was my third hat so the podcast again it's the third hat it's you know i'm talking to you guys today i've got another interview tonight eight o'clock it doesn't make me money but what it does do is it keeps the momentum Mm -hmm. of my name in the industry that i can have opportunities come up but it's a difficult hat to wear sometimes i know your kids are probably getting up so just to finish off then kind of this year's been a strange one for everybody (laughs) 
<laughs> have did you have any kind of direction for this year that you wanted to try something new that this this situation has either helped or hindered um signed up for well got asked to talk at creative south and you're like i want i want you i want to have some of your stuff and i was like okay well that gives me a deadline so um i guess i can't procrastinate anymore <laughs> um so we got all this stuff and the clock was counting down and finally started and that was the hardest part was starting um you know that so once that one once that ball got rolling you know a lot of it's just like an hour's prep and then i've got a week's worth of paper i can use you know outside depending on the weather and now we're quarantined and now i can just send the girl hey let me go on walks now which is which is great because you know it's the only way to really get out and do stuff so the nightly walks the girls are collecting stuff like mom look for your photos it's like oh thanks honey um and they just they get real excited about being involved in the process that's lovely though that they they know what you do and they want to be part of it as well so that's been that's been good um got the ball rolling i mean there was some stuff that you wanted to do that probably wouldn't happen if we weren't cooped up yeah i i'd I'd been putting off learning premiere for probably two and a half years um and part of it was wanting to capture memories and events and things that we were doing around the house as a family, just to document it type of a thing as a personal record for, for us. Um, but also then was wondering about how do I capture what we're doing? Cause it's one of those things like we don't think it's interesting because we <laughs> do it every day type of a thing. It's like, nobody wants to see me make coffee in the morning. The power's out. I'm going to start a fire. I'm going to make boil water and yeah, make coffee over fire. I'll stop you there. So this is, this is the view. I said this to someone the other day, like with the podcast stuff is now's a good time to do- Everyone's going to have a really interesting 2020. Mm-hmm. You know, we're still at the very beginning of it. We've got a long, long way to go yet. I think this is wiped out for everybody is what a good time to document a year in your life, whether it be your, you know, design, your, your day job, your family is doc- even if you just document it for yourself. Yeah. But the thing is like you saying about, you know, who wants to watch me setting up a fire and making coffee. We've got the slider scrub on the video. <laughs> we can skip the <laughs> same as the uh-huh. podcast. If you don't want to hear the adverts at the beginning, just slide yeah. past document it because now we're able to determine like back in the day if you wanted to watch a tv show you had to turn on the telly sit in front of it watch the whole thing and then wait a week before dallas comes on again <laughs> I mean, you through the commercials now too. yeah, yeah now exactly now intro. like you know look at you can skip everything you can scrub it it's you know document it yeah. even if you don't think it's interesting i think those around you are probably you know i'm interested to see your family i've only really got to know julie last year when we sat at yeah. lunch and now it's great that i get to see into your family a little bit more and we, we communicate more with each other and and share funny words and stuff I, I think that is one of the things that people again discount about themselves like i know we both do it heavily of you know i don't have anything to say nobody wants to see x y and z and it's kind of like um i mean the other night i was making popcorn and i was like i'm gonna make it <laughs> a stupid edgar wright you know jump cut it was funny i mean i literally (laughs) was just trying to be a goofball and have some fun and (laughs) i had a blast like making a stupid video about making popcorn and i mean it's just it's just a fun way especially 
now that <laughs> no one can go anywhere it's kind of like how do i make living at home you know fun yeah, yeah. well and, it's not that it's not fun it's like how can i make it more interesting in a way that i can be creative and i can learn something mm -hmm. so you learned a film technique just by making uh -huh. popcorn. <laughs> and even like setting up cameras just the putting the camera low outside when you were doing the fire and it was like on the floor looking up it yeah. was just trying those mm -hmm. different techniques all right you can burn it you can trash it but try yeah. it because um, i was just saying to the to the kids before i came on is we've got we were talking about every day at the dinner table we go around the table and we're not allowed to talk about the, the world situation. Oh. We're only allowed to talk about our positives of the day. So we go around and we try and think of a creative way of who goes first. So that would be like the person with the earliest name in the alphabet or who, what time of day you were born. <laughs> so we're learning, you know, we're, we're reminding each other things about ourselves. And then we go through and you come up with the positive of the yeah. day. And I said, really, we should be writing yeah. these down every day what was our positive and sometimes it might just be a joke like oh the traffic was good going to work this morning <laughs> <laughs> only i only had one girl like walk in the opposite direction or it might just be um you know something good happened with work like billy's working at the hospital so when he comes in it's like he's not getting too many positives mm -hmm. but actually our hospital where we are is not as busy he's got two days yeah. off you know and he's working for the nhs so it, every day we try and think of well you know we can't control this year this year's controlling us so make come out of it at the end of it with with no kind of oh i wish i'd done yeah yeah that's probably the well, i was gonna say i think it's easy to slide into <clears throat> that the world's can you know got its thumb on us and you know controlling us but I, it, it's just those little things to remind you to you do have a say and you can make the best of it or the worst of it and some people are definitely having a harder time making the best of it than, yeah. than others yeah. for sure. Um, but if you, if you are in a spot where you can do a stupid video about popcorn to hopefully make somebody laugh or, you know, give them a, a moment to forget about something that's going on in their life, like yeah. take that time to do it. And that's, I think it was therapeutic for you to throw pots and pans around the kitchen floor trying to pull out the like, pot. Like, what are you doing down here? That was all like, when I was watching it, I'm thinking, oh, if I could see a camera on Judy's face right now, that would be more mm -hmm. entertaining. He had to knock around some dishes and slam some doors, and I'm sure that was therapeutic for him, and hopefully somebody watching a stupid video on popcorn, you know, made somebody chuckle. Yeah. I mean, there have been people that have put up videos that were similar of just, you know, stupid thing that happened and it made me chuckle. And I was like, I needed that laugh more than I realized. Yes. Yeah. Um, but it made me think, oh, maybe I should, you know, I don't do this live stuff, but maybe I should practice recording. No, we've got the devices, we've got phones and all sorts. We've got the editing capability. I actually do want to do stuff with the kids. I want to do stuff with the girls because they are creative. And seeing that does actually make me think, do you know what? I've got no excuse not yeah. to. Yeah. You know, what's the worst that can happen? I do it, it's awful, I've been it, or I do it, it's great, and I, we mm -hmm. can share it as a family memory. I don't have to broadcast yeah. it anywhere. I don't have to, I mean, I might share it with someone and say, what do you mm -hmm. think of this? But yeah. I'm not going to win, I'm not going to win the sun, sun dance. <laughs> my own festival to enter my, uh, my popcorn video. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> there should be some kind of festival for right. Oh, sure, man. 
30 second instant was that instagram video I don't know. yeah no that's good we'll finish there yeah. we'll finish on a high yeah. um thank <laughs> thank you for your time i know i know the kids are starting no to get up now because uh, they haven't they haven't creeped in yeah, yet so i'm some surprised at being uh <laughs> probably 20 30 minutes past what they normally start cracking uh, yeah. their eyes and and, and whatnot so uh-huh. yeah. but uh, well, my two are out in the garden coloring in some mandalas that we did oh, with Miramid. Yeah. I did a little vi- I did a little little video on Instagram. It was just how to quickly make a coloring in uh coloring in pad with Mirami. And like two minutes it takes and then print it out and so we've been we've made a coloring book that we're gonna give away oh, next that's week. Awesome. But yeah, they're doing that. So yeah, it's just again it's creative stuff. But um have a good yeah. day. Thank you for well, your definitely. time. I know it's early there. It's always a pleasure to talk to you both. Oh. And uh, and I can't wait for Creative South because you and I were going to be speaking <laughs> on the same yeah. bill I'm not very as much each other. To that, yeah. As I say, I was uh, fish and chips. I was so looking forward to that fish and chips. I'll bring you digestive <laughs> biscuits to go with your ginger nuts. <laughs> oh my days, man! But anyway, thank you very yeah. much, and uh, have a good day. And I'll speak to you soon. Stay okay. safe. Thank you. you do the same. Love you. Cheers. Bye bye. <laughs>